How many of you have ridden a roller uh, coaster in your life at least once? About, uh, I'm guessing, 90% of us. If you haven't, uh, you need to get to it. You miss it. How many of you enjoy riding roller coasters? More than I I thought, but less. Your hands went up that time. I, I... uh, amusement parks are a lot of fun for a lot of reasons, uh, at least for me. And uh, we ride rides like that sometimes because we've been challenged to or ashamed uh, into doing it, uh, but uh, or others get us to do it. But the thing I love about roller coasters, at least used to, I don't enjoy them as much as I once did. I used to really like them because you knew something was coming, you knew it was eventually out there, but it still caught you. By surprise, right? The big dips, and I still remember going to uh, Opryland as a kid and riding the, the cannonballs, what it was called, and it was the first loop roller coaster I'd ever ridden where you're literally upside down, and I thought I was going to die, but it was great. But you watch people going ahead of you, and, and you know something's on, on the horizon, it's coming, you know, there's a big thrill on the way, and it doesn't surprise you as much as it's just a sudden reality. It catches you, and there you go. Um, and it's a thrilling reality for most of us. Um, the, uh, the Bible really describes the, the return of Jesus in a similar way. And what the Bible talks to Christians about is that we are to be expectant for the coming of Jesus. It's not intended to be a surprise for us. It will be sudden. It will be a thrill. It will capture us in that moment, but it's not intended to be a surprise. The Bible talks a lot about the coming of Jesus and sets our thinking about that reality. The the last verse of the Bible, the book of Revelation, nearly the very last word of the scripture says, Come, Lord Jesus, come. In 1 Corinthians 11, when we're given instructions on how the Lord's Supper should be commemorated and we're uh, told about the bread and the cup and, and what they symbolize and how we remember the Lord's death, there's a little phrase Paul uses at the end of that, that every time we share in that activity together that we're remembering the death of Jesus until he comes again. So in the early church, it was uh, almost always looked at as a celebratory event where we're looking back at what Jesus has done and the importance of the cross and his resurrection, but there's always a looking ahead at his coming again. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. You'll, you'll remember that Acts is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. You have the Gospel of Luke that talks about the life of Jesus His birth and and His life and teaching, His death, His resurrection. And then, part two is Acts. It's a continuation that Dr. Luke continues to talk about now. The life of the church without the physical presence of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 1, the disciples are gathered there. And Jesus, it's this amazing event. Jesus ascends back to be at the right hand of the Father. And He just like disappears. And then an angel appears. He says, hey guys, what are you looking at? Did I give you this promise that in the same way that you've seen Jesus ascend back to heaven, there will come a day eventually when he will return at the end of all things. And the beginning of setting everything right will begin to unfold. The scripture that we have today, 1 Thessalonians, would you turn there? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, it is given to strengthen you and me. It's to give us a sense of confidence at the certainty that Jesus will return again. Jesus didn't just live a life 
of history. He also is a person of the future. And he will come back again. The Bible talks about it over and over. It promises it to us that he will return. And this passage is to give us a sense of encouragement. It's to strengthen us in our understanding. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. When he talks about falling asleep in this moment, he's talking about death. It's euphemism for death. Those who have died. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. At that, After that, we who are still alive and are left, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Beloved, are you encouraged with these words this morning? Let's continue. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers, about times and days we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do... We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. There is a hope for the eternal. There is a hope in our hearts for the eternal. And for a Christian brother or sister, the hope is rooted in the person of Jesus. The Bible describes Jesus as a first fruits among many. The one who is first to death because of sin, not his own sin, but our sin. The one who is first to be raised from the dead. And we too who who die our death to sin and receive the forgiveness of Jesus. We have followed secondly as Jesus has gone first. We too then, as Jesus has been raised from the dead as a first fruits of resurrection. So you... If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you too will rise up and have the promise of forever resurrected life in heaven with the Lord Jesus. Because of the resurrection, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. I had the 
the opportunity a few weeks ago with Susan and some others from the church to attend the funeral of Abby Ent. And you might remember us inviting you to be in prayer for the Ent family, Michael and Christy, the serve at a church in Novato. Abby's their 15-year-old daughter. And they found her unresponsive one morning in her bed. And as she went to the hospital and they began to do tests, they uh, came to the final point and um, they were trying to determine um, where she was and, and what, how her body would respond. And she ended up not recovering. At the funeral... I've probably never been to a service that was more hope-filled, that was more moving to me personally than that particular funeral. Because even though there were tears as, as her siblings shared and her parents shared, her dad, Michael himself, uh, gave the, the homily of the day I couldn't even imagine. The extended family and the church family and others were, were teary-eyed and grieving at the loss of Abby. It was a sad day. But encircling that grief was a real, palpable, tangible sense of hope because they knew that, that death did not have the final word, that Jesus stood over death, and that Abby had received the, the forgiveness and the life of Jesus for herself, and that she was now hidden in Christ, and death would not hold her. And it was a moving moment to understand and to see firsthand how great having this sort of hope is. That they did not grieve as those who are without hope. The resurrection of Jesus fills us with hope at what is to come at the end of our lives. Death does come for us all. And I know it's a topic that a lot of Americans don't like to talk about or to think about. But there is a, a day for those in Christ Jesus where we will see Him face to face. Our passage reminds us that, that there is hope that comes in the resurrection because of the resurrection of Jesus. As I've mentioned, it's a sudden event, but it's not a surprise. It should not be a surprise. The coming of Jesus is not a surprise. It is sudden for sure. Um, we know it's something, and there's one day coming, but we don't know when. We are told and warned throughout the Scripture not to try to set your clock to it or to, to circle the date on the calendar. Over and over we're told not to do that. But we are to be looking and anticipating and trying to be prepared. It's a surprise. It's not a surprise. It's sudden. It comes upon us suddenly, but, but we're expecting it yet. A year or so ago, I heard a, a great story about a man. He had lost his leg, and he ended up uh, working in a, a ministry to give wheelchairs to other folks who needed them. And he ended up doing it all over the world. And he had been recently fitted with a, a new prosthetic limb, and he went to an amusement park. And he was so excited because he loved roller coasters, and he stood in line for this roller coaster. And as he was in line, he was with a, a friend there, and behind them there were a couple of uh, 12 or 13-year-old girls, and you could tell one of them was really scared to get on the roller coaster, and they began to talk, and he was trying to comfort and encourage her as they waited there in line, and they finally got up to the point, and what, the way this roller coaster works is if you're strapped in, it's where your torso is, and uh, you, you sit uh, two this way and two facing, so two and two are facing each other. And then you, once you're all strapped in, you, you take off. And the roller coaster, at first, is uh, for one, is going forward. 
And then you get to the halfway point, and then you start going the other direction. So half of the journey you're going forward, and the other half of the journey you're going backward. Well, the man with the prosthetic limb, he uh, he began, to, as the roller coaster began, they, he was moving forward. The, the two 13-year-old girls were there. They were moving backward. And you could tell once they got strapped in, and once they started to move, her terror became even more real. And it was deep and gripped her heart. She's moving backwards on this roller coaster, and it is spinning, and it is turning upside down, and she's screaming and slobbering, and uh, she's just about fit to be tied. And then it comes to the halfway point. She doesn't know what's happening. She thinks it's over. And she's like, yes, and she breathes a sigh of relief. And then it starts going again, but in the opposite direction. Now, the man in front of her now is going backwards, and his prosthetic limb had been dangling with his other leg. And then there's a man who, I'm not, I'm not being mean, he tells the story, he, he loves the story, he laughs about it, so I want you to as well, because as he goes, he starts going backwards, this is his first episode on a roller coaster with his new prosthetic limb, and as he starts going backwards, he begins to feel that beginning to dislodge a little bit, and he's moving, and he's spinning, and he's going around, and uh, all of a sudden, this girl in front of him is terrified again. She's starting to see this leg move in a way that it's not supposed to move. And then he goes through a particular jolting moment, and guess what happens? The leg goes flying off the roller coaster. And as he's intended to move backwards, guess what happens to his pet leg? It goes straight up in the wind and right in her face. You think she was terrified before? She thought, if this is what happened to the roller coaster, <laughs> get me off of this thing right now. Well, they got to the end. She survived the ride, and so did the man. The man was laughing so hard, watching his prosthetic limb go, and he was laughing and couldn't control himself. And he was so loud, he couldn't talk to her at all. But when they stopped, he wanted to, to reassure her that of all of the events, and uh, she got off that roller coaster and she disappeared into the crowd. <laughs> He said he spent the rest of the day trying to find her. They first went, they found his, his prosthetic limb. He got it all re, reattached. And then they went to try to find her to reassure her. Because uh, she probably left the park and went hiding, crying in the car. I would have too. I don't really know why I tell you that story. but <laughs> When we get on a roller coaster, there's... There are sudden moments, right? And that's the reason we do it. We, we do it because there's a thrill to it. There's, uh, we're get, we get caught and there's a suddenness to it. But we do it because it's not surprising to us, right? We do it because we know those things are coming. It's not a surprise that, that there are twists and turns up on the road, but we do it anyway. See, the coming of Jesus, it's, it will be sudden. There will be a moment. I don't know what it will be like, but I really hope I'm alive to see it. Because I, since I was a kid, I've, I've wondered about this day, when what this, this old Hebrew shofar trumpet blast will be like. And, and hearing the, the, the sound and the voice of the archangel declaring the coming of the king. And what the heavens will be filled with, with sound and light and wonder, I don't know. But there's a suddenness that will come to it. It won't surprise us, it shouldn't surprise you. But it'll capture you, and it'll it'll come upon you. And my prayer for you is that you will delight in it, because it is certain. It has been promised. Jesus himself said, do not let your hearts be burdened or worried. I am going to prepare a place 
for you, because in my Father's house there are many rooms. And rest assured, if I go, I will come back to be with you and to take you to be where I am. That is the encouragement of this passage, that Jesus is coming back. And He will not leave us abandoned or orphaned, because He has promised out of His great love, and He has secured that promise with His death and with His resurrection. Because Jesus is raised from the dead. You, man or woman, who are in Christ Jesus, you too will be raised to new life with Him. And the Bible says, and finally this morning, that we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 17, we will be with the Lord forever. Both those living and those who have died at the coming of Jesus will be with Christ when He comes again. My friend Michael, at that funeral service, he... He said the moment when uh, they were doing the final tests of life on their daughter, Abby. He says that the doctor was so gentle and they were going through the various physical tests to see what signs of life she would hold. And the last test that they did was that the doctor got over Abby's face, put her hands on the side of Abby's face, and in a really loud voice, she said, Abby! Open your eyes. And Michael says she didn't open her eyes. Not on this earth. She didn't open her eyes to see a doctor or a room filled with nurses or family members who loved her. But Michael said with such great confidence and clear assurance of the promise of Jesus that she did open her eyes. But instead of a doctor, family, nurses, she opened her eyes to the face of Jesus. Because the Scriptures promise that we will see face to face. That we will know the things that are questions now. They will become answered for us. And she beheld the face of Jesus. The promise that we have, beloved is that when you and I are in Christ, that we are held by His strength. We are held by His grace. He is preparing a place. And He has promised to come back so that we might be with Him and with each other forever and ever. Be encouraged with these words today, dear friends, because you were loved and you were held by Jesus. Father, we pray today that you would perhaps renew for those who need a, a new foundation, that you would hold them today. A new foundation of confidence of your love and confidence of your promise, confidence of your return. It shouldn't be a surprise to us, it will be sudden. And so, God, I pray that you would help us live in such a way that our lives are more vibrant because death is not a fear, that death is less confusing because you have gone through death before us. You have been raised from the dead ahead of us, and you have promised that we too shall rise from the dead as we have accepted you and walk in your grace. 
and your mercy. God, comfort us with these words. Encourage our hearts with this, we pray, so that we can walk lives, live lives, and strengthen one another, we pray, in the midst of grief, in the midst of sadness, in the midst of some families that are in the shadow of death today. And so we pray for strength and renewed encouragement and for comfort and that you would raise our confidence in the certainty of your return. You've promised it because you love us. You've promised it because it is true. And we believe your promise because you too have gone through death and come through resurrection, just like you said you will do for us. So hold us with these words, we pray. And strengthen us in the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.